0: Welcome to the Graceway Bible Church Podcast, a place to be immersed in teaching from God's Word. We hope you will be blessed by our sermon series, Difference Makers, Women Chosen by God. Learn with us about how often overlooked women make a difference in the world around them through the power of God. Find out more about this or any of our sermons at www.gracewaybc.org. Join us now as we dive into God's Word. You know, when the kids were younger, I would love reading to them. And actually, I think if they would let me now, I would still read to them. Um, But we used to read all kinds of books. Even before the kids were able to understand the words, I would just love reading things like, uh, anything out of an article of a magazine, just to be able to spend time with them. Then as they grew older, you know, there's things like picture books and touch books. And then when they got to get into the fun stuff, like Dr. Seuss, we had a blast. And probably my favorite was The Cat in the Hat. You know, I would love to do the voices of the kids and the cat, and yeah, he was mischievous and everything, but it was one of my favorite books. Then as they got a bit older, and we could start getting into some books that had some meat behind them, we really loved the Berenstein Bears. I mean, most of those stories are about family. Uh, Usually the dad is the cause of the problems, which is is an unfortunate uh, projection of uh, fathers in our culture, Uh, however, his heart was good and he had his family. He had uh, the love of his family come first. Over the past 50 years, we've seen a change in the core family unit. We have blended families, we have um, single mothers, single fathers, but one thing that runs consistent in all of these families is, is love. And today, we're gonna look at parental love uh, from the perspective of Moses' mother, but it's not about parental love exclusively, because there's a lesson in here for us about love in the relationships that we have so we're going to see through jochebed we're going to see a love that is protective a love that is sacrificial and ultimately a love as rewarding and these are things that god provides for us in and when we follow biblical love he built, he he provides us in a way that we can reward those who he places in our lives to love so let us pray dear heavenly father um we just want to say that we love you, we thank you for who you are, we thank you for the love that you've shown us for giving us your son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us. So Father, as we dig into your word uh, this morning, father, we ask that the words that are spoken by me just merely be my voice, the father that the, the words that are, that, that are spoken just minister to our hearts here this morning. So we commit uh, the next half hour or so to you, and we do this in the name of your son Jesus Christ, amen. So today's lesson is gonna be in Exodus chapter two, and as we are turning there, I just wanna get us caught up uh, briefly here on the history of what's going on. So here we have a time where the Israelites have, from the Egyptians' perspective, begun to overrun the empire. This is about 430 years from the first 70 that entered with Joseph, and the people of Israel have begun to multiply in Egypt, and the Pharaoh has become quite concerned about what's going on. They've already been enslaved, and now his solution beyond slavery is to kill the first the, the sons of the Egyptian families, and his order is to throw all the boy the males born to Egypt to Hebrew women into the Nile. All right. So now from Ephesians, I'm sorry, Ephesians Exodus two it says now a man from the house of Levi went and took a wife, took him um, took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. And when she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes, daubed it in bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank, and his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done of the child. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young woman walked beside the river, She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman and took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the child was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew woman to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give him your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she became her son. She named him Moses, because she said, I drew him out of the water. So here we start out in, in verse one, whereas a man of the house of Levi took a wife, took for him a wife, a Levite woman. Here we, Moses' mother's name isn't given here, but we know in Exodus 6, when they give the genealogy of Moses, we know that the mother's name is Jochebed and his father's name is Amram. And I think here in the first verse, we're not seeing any name given. I think the idea here is it's drawing our attention to Moses because this is really what it's about. It's about Moses' birth. But I see parallels in our lives as parents, right? How many of us are identified through our children, especially when they're younger? I remember when I was first asked to speak here at the church, it was maybe, I don't know, eight years ago, I came up the stage, I introduced to myself who I am, because not many people knew me, I said, hi, I'm Don Schwing, and if you don't know who I am, you probably know my other name, Braille and Cole's dad. Yeah, so it was, we're identified through our children, and that's, that happens, because right through child rearing, the attention is drawn to our kids, right? Through sporting events or activities or whatever we do, the attention is drawn to them, and sometimes our identity can get set aside a bit, but as we're gonna see through here as we work through this passage, Jochebed manages to maintain her mother. She doesn't lose it all in rearing Moses. She still manages to have an influence on him. And as we move into verse two, it says, the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. Now, I, I can't imagine the, the anxiety that she was going through. I mean, it's anxious now, I really have no concept of anxiety in, in being pregnant, of, of course, but I, I remember in the, when Andrea was pregnant with Brielle and Cole, just the anxiety we faced just going for an ultrasound. Right? Is the child gonna be healthy? Is everything okay? So I can't imagine the anxiety she's going through where she has a 50% chance of her child having to die, right? because the, any, any boy had to be thrown into the river. So just imagine the anxiety that she was going through. But, we're gonna, but what we see here, we actually end up seeing a faith and reliance that she has on God. Because she says here that when she saw that she was a fine child, she hid him. You now, I'm, I'm thinking here is how she describes him as a fine child. And I kind of have a general question here is, how many of you think that your child is the most beautiful child in the world? Right? Or as we think of other love, how many of you think that your spouse is the most beautiful spouse or the most beautiful wife in the world? Right? Yeah, Mike's like, right, I can tell you, you're all wrong. Because I got that. I, I have the I have bank on that. No. Uh, no, but seriously, though, she says that he is a fine child, uh, and then she, when he was fine, she hid him for three months. Then I start thinking, I'm like, what if he was the run of the litter? Would she have hid him for three months? No, but she sees that he's a beautiful child. But um, this, this account is, is expanded on a bit in Acts uh, 7.20 and again in Hebrews 11. So as we see here, I put him up here in parallel, we see in Exodus 2, the woman conceived and bore a son, and she saw that he was a fine child. Um, In Acts 7.20, she says, um, I'm sorry, uh, Luke says that he was beautiful in in God's sight, and he was brought up um, for three months in his father's house. I think here, this description here shows us that there's really something special going on with Moses. It's one thing, for, as a parent, for us to see how beautiful and wonderful our children is. But I think there's something entirely different if God points you out and says, this child is special. Now, we all, we all know that we're all special and all loved by God. But I think there's something a bit different going on here. I almost see this as, as to when um, Jesus goes to John the Baptist to be baptized, the skies open up, the Holy Spirit descends, and God speaks out and says, this is my child in whom I am well pleased I see there's something special. And I think Jochebed sees that there is something special in her son, something special that God has brought on him. And in Hebrews 11.23, again, it says that um, when he was born, it was hidden for three months by his parents because she saw that he was a beautiful child. But there's an additional part here, and it says that they were not afraid of the king's edict. So it gets me thinking about if... Moses is this wonderful, beautiful child, if there's something special about him by God, and you're not afraid of the king's edict, then why did you need to hide the child? If you were not afraid, you could have taken just a cavalier approach and just said, oh, I'm just gonna chalk it up to God. But that's not really the point here. So I want us to look backwards now in Exodus. If we look at Exodus 1, this is sort of in where the Pharaoh is giving the, the order to, um, to the Hebrew midwives, starting in chapter one, verse 15. It says, Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shiprah, and the other Pua, when you serve as midwife to Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him, but if it is a daughter, you shall let all live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded, but they let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and let the male children live? the midwife said the pharaoh because the hebrew women are not like the egyptian women for they are vigorous and give birth before midwives come to them so god dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and grew very strong because the midwives feared god he gave them families then pharaoh commanded all the people every son that is born to the hebrews you shall cast into the nile but you shall let every daughter live the midwives here i think i think Jacobet is is operating is has the same belief that the midwives have. There's a fear and an awe of God. It's placing God first. By placing God first, that means we, the secular things that go on around us, it's not that we don't have a fear of maybe some consequences of things that were happening. I think when it's saying here that she wasn't afraid of the king's edict, it was that the king's edict wasn't the priority in her life. It was following God. And really, as we look at the protection that she has, she has, demonstrated here for moses this is not this is the first of several accounts where god ends up protecting moses we think of when god passes by and and has uh, moses hide his face in the cleft of the rock but for us to be protective with those that we love there's an action that we need to take we can't just sit on our heels and say okay god i'm just going to let god take care of everything there's 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 not a passivity here and chuck swindell he says this excellently, and if you've heard me preach, I quote him a lot because he's my favorite preacher, and coming in here in the morning, when I come in in the morning, I get to listen to him on the radio, uh, so it's just a wonderful. But he says here, to walk by faith does not mean that we stop thinking. To trust God does not imply becoming slovenly or lazy or apathetic. What a distortion of biblical faith. You and I need to trust God for our finances, but that is not a license to spend foolishly. You and I ought to trust God for the safety of our cars, but that doesn't mean we pass on a blind curve. We must trust God for our health, but that doesn't mean we chain smoke and subsist on Pringles and Fritos and Twinkies. All of these things have consequences. Faith and careful planning go hand in hand. They always have. The point here, biblical love drives us to be protective. right. We have to have faith in God, we know that, but there's a measure of action here for us um, to work towards that protection. Faith and careful planning go hand in hand. How many of us think differently if our spouses become offended, then, I I worded that wrong. How many of us have a different reaction than our spouses if something happens to them? Take for example, imagine, so Pat, I'm gonna use you right here, okay? Somebody says something to Beth, and you get really offended by it, but you're more offended than she actually is, right? That's that sort of protection that, that the love comes with. And, and it reminds me of um, about four years ago when Steiner got a new principal. It was about four years ago when, when he came. You're shaking your head. Yeah, I don't want to give his name. Steiner got a new principal, brought him in from the outside, was going to shake things up. But what he did to Andrea and moving her around in classes, telling her she couldn't teach what she wanted to teach, I wanted to go in there and give him a piece of my mind. But really, I didn't want to embarrass her, or probably worse, embarrass myself. But I was more offended for her and upset for her than she probably was for herself. I wanted to jump in and protect her. It's not that she couldn't do it for herself, it's just that I was so upset for her because of how upset she was. When we love in this way, we love biblically, we're just driven to protect those that we love. And then the next step beyond protection is once that protection is in place, that biblical love drives us to be sacrificial. In this same example, you know Andrea probably had been teaching for maybe 17 or 18 years at the time, it was so upsetting for her and so upsetting for us, I was like, just quit, give, just, just give it up and we'll figure out a way to make it work. We'll sacrifice. We'll sacrifice what, whatever it is because of the offense that it was to us, and just seeing her so um, disturbed and upset by this, we just wanted to move on. But with biblical love comes proper sacrifice. If you've been trolling around on Facebook for the last three weeks, what's the predominance of pictures you may have seen? I don't want to see, not vaccine, I don't want to hear that. Uh, Back to school pictures, right? Have you see little kids a lot? Your kids had them, little kids, little sign, my first day of school, yay, you know, they're in their their best clothes, everything like that. Back to school. Right? I remember when we sent our kids off to school, man, that was tough. We sacrificed for them, but we knew it was for their greater good. I, I mean, anybody wants to know how rough it is, ask my mom how rough it was when my sister and I went off to school, right? And we, especially when we went off to college. You know, I have Cole's 17, Brielle's 20, and it's painful when they go off to school. We miss them, but we recognize it's for their good. Right, and from the other side, we're not just kicking them out the door and say, okay, good, go ahead, now mom and dad are gonna have, you know, are gonna, are gonna, are gonna be alone together, no. It's proper sacrifice, but in that proper sacrifice, there's still protection. Because look at what Jacobed does. You know, as, as, as Moses is placed in the river here, so I should put the child in a basket. Okay, in verse 4, and his sister stood at a distance to know what would happen to him. There's still that measure of protection going around over Moses. Right? So when there's someone that we love and we sacrifice to them, there's still some protection and caring that is going on. Now, it couldn't have been Jochebed, because seeing a Hebrew woman watching a Hebrew child, especially a boy, in the river might have been a bit obvious. But here we have Moses' sister keeping an eye on him. So, and as we uh, we move into verse six, I'm sorry, we move into verses uh, five and six, it says, now a daughter of Pharaoh came down uh, to bathe at the river while her young woman walked beside her, and she saw the basket among the reeds, and sent her servant woman, and she took it. She opened it, and she saw the child, and behold, the child was crying. She took pity on him, and she said, this is one of the Hebrew children. And I think here, I think we see an immense amount of God's sovereignty at work here. You have a baby placed in a basket, put in the river, and probably the most dangerous place for Hebrew boys ever to be, being brought and discovered by a woman, Pharaoh's daughter, who could actually do something positive for a Hebrew boy. She opens up the basket and sees that he's a Hebrew. She probably recognizes he's a Hebrew because he's circumcised. But now the big question that I have is, if she's Pharaoh's daughter, I figure she really should be following Pharaoh's order. right? She really should have just tipped the basket over. And it gets me thinking why. And farther in the passage here in verse six, it says that she had taken pity on him. I think we have here an unexpected act of compassion on the behalf of Pharaoh's daughter. Here in placing this all under the sovereignty of God, we see Jacobed, we see Moses' mother protecting her son and sacrificing her son and in doing that she's allowing God to work. Our love for God sometimes requires sacrifice. How many times have we been told when we're struggling a bit, we've said let's get out of God's way and let him work. How many times are we end up being focused on, our, on the now, we're focused on our needs, and our wants and our desires, and we don't get out of God's way. We have the benefit of knowing the ending of the story, right, what Moses would do, but we're in the thick of it. We really don't know what the ending of the story is, and for Moses' mother, she didn't have any idea what the ending of that story would be, but yet she sacrificed her son and put her faith in God. Most of the time when we're waiting on God, we're sacrificing our wants and our wishes and our needs, but here is the awesome thing the closer we are to God, those things really aren't sacrifices at all because we're doing them for the honor and glory of God. Now, now here we're talking about it from a parent, parental perspective, but in Ephesians 5, 25 through 28, Paul places it for us in a relational perspective. In, a chat, in Ephesians 5, he writes, there you go, he says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives. So Paul starts out here with saying, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. There are two things that Christ gave up for the church. One was his life, we know that, because he sacrificed himself on the cross, to start to, to, to lay the foundation for the church, the other thing that Christ gave up was his will, because in John chapter five verse thirty he says, "Not my will, but the Father's will, be done." He didn't do this, but I think our timing's off a bit. That's okay. Okay, um, you can watch from you can watch from the back. All right. Is that the cheap seats? I don't know. All right. Um, There are two things that, okay, Christ gave up his will, but when he gave up his Father's will, it wasn't like, oh, Dad, do I really have to do this? No, it was though, Father, your will becomes mine. And that's what Paul is talking about here in the relationship, and he lays it out for us. He says that Christ did this so he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water, with the words that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or blemish. Christ did his Father's will, for the good of his church. It's the same thing in our relationships. When we love individuals in our circle, biblically, it is done to serve the Father's will. So whether that love is the filio, brotherly love, that's mentioned in scripture, or it is the agape, the parental spousal love in scripture, those sacrifices aren't, do I really have to? Or first, can I just first do this? Or if you really say that I have to, then I'm gonna do it, no. their will becomes yours, and yours becomes theirs. That's the reciprocal relationship of biblical love. That is the reward that God provides. So now as we go back to our original passage in Exodus, we look at verses 7 through 10. Uh, has here, then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she became her son. She named him Moses because I drew him out of the water. You know, unhealthy love can cause us to act rashly, right? Have we ever done anything foolish for love? Ever, especially when we're dating or courting or done foolish things? Right, from the parental perspective, about five years ago, a term sort of came out of helicopter parents, parents that kind of fly around and kind of keep an eye on things and make sure everything's okay, but that wasn't good enough. It had to get kicked up a notch. They're now snowplow parents. They actually get in front of their kids and push everything out of the way, so their kids can't experience anything, right? It's done with the eye of it's for the safety and for the good of the child, but they don't give their child the, the, the chance to experience the world that God has laid out for them. Now imagine if Jochebed was a snowplow parent. She could have just kept Moses hidden, could have scooped him up, could have left with him. No, she put her faith in God. And in her sacrifice for God, we can, or in her sacrifice for Moses, now we can see the reward to her, right? Who gets to nurse Moses? She does. By following God's plan, she's rewarded. Now, not every one of our rewards is gonna be a physical one, and not every one of them is gonna be in, you know, an hour from when we place the child in the river to come back to us. At times, it's gonna be a long time. Our reward might only be in the kingdom, and if that's all that I get, I'm good with my kingdom reward, right? So as we we look at this uh, reward, and actually, the reward actually ends up growing beyond that, right? So the reward here we we see that um, Jochebed being able to, to nurse to, to be able to nurse Moses, but we see it going actually beyond that because it says here in verse um, when Moses grew older. So in verse 10 it says when the child grew older, she brought him the Pharaoh's daughter. You know, when I first read this, I kind of thought it being that okay when the child was weaned, when the child really had no need for to be nursed by um, by jo- but the word that's actually used here, the Hebrew word for grow older here, is the word godal, All right. it, it gives a sense of growing, growing, a, growing mature. The word in the Septuagint is adruna, which means to grow ripe. So what we're talking about here is not an age, but rather a demeanor. When Moses has grown greater and grown stronger and grown smarter, when Moses had matured, he left his birth mother, and went with Pharaoh's daughter. And we have to consider the influence that Jochebed had on her son in that time. I mean, look at all that Moses had done. I think in just Moses' reaction to, um, to the Hebrew slave being killed, just his reaction there, his mother must have instilled in him the importance and the value of being a Hebrew. I, I have to imagine that the that Jochebed, had an influence on her son in looking at the greatness that Moses accomplished. You know, in this way, she served as the deliverer, so to speak, of the national deliverer of Israel, right? And as it turned out, the child that she delivered would later deliver her and her people out of bondage and lead them towards the promised land. And I also think about as as Moses returned to Pharaoh's daughter, what influence did he have on her? She knew he was a Hebrew, so what influence did she have on her? You know, in 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 4, verse 17, it, gives a, it mentions a daughter of Pharaoh, gives her a name, and says that she has children, and she's placed in the genealogy of Judah. So let's step into the speculation for a second and say, okay, let's suppose this is Pharaoh's daughter. Now by, by um, Jacobed sacrificing for Moses, sending him back to Jacobed, I'm sending him back to Pharaoh's daughter. Look at the cascading circles of influence she was able to have. So as we start to wrap this up, although the care and the acts and the love in which we engage towards others may not occupy a centrally crucial part as delivering an entire nation out of slavery, it doesn't matter because how we, how we impact others around us have effects for the kingdom of God that we cannot possibly comprehend. So let's, this morning, so as we consider the example of Jacobed's love, let's diligently pursue what God has planned for us in the lives for those that you love. So I see three takeaways here from Jacobed's love. One, we have love is protective. She protected Moses. And I I think in this protection, I think back to Joseph. And actually I was listening to Chuck Swindoll this morning and he was starting to give a sermon on Joseph. And I said, this is an excellent description of the protection that love provides. Old Testament Joseph had reason to disown his, more reason to disown his family than anybody. His brothers beat him up, left him to die. He ended up in slavery, was imprisoned for for no fault of his own. When his brothers came back to him when they were starving, as the famine was approaching the land, he could have told them to go pound sand, literally. But he didn't. He said, no, come live with us. That love that he had for his family was protective. Love is sacrificial. Jesus tells his disciples at, during the Last Supper, he, Last Supper, he says, let them know that you're my disciples by how you love one another. And that biblical love is described, for us, uh, is described for us by the Apostle Paul as a love in which believers submit to one another. That is sacrificing for one another out of God's love. And when we love biblically, when our love is protective and our love is sacrificial, our love is ultimately rewarding. It's rewarding for us personally, and it is rewarding for the kingdom of God. You know, you may be going through the thick of it right now. You may be having trouble realizing that God loves you more than you could possibly imagine. God loves you to the point of protecting you. He protected you, loving you by sacrificing for you. We know that he wanted to protect you from the sins of this world. He wanted to protect you from Adam's sin by sending his son Jesus Christ to die for you. We know that he sacrificed for you by his son Jesus Christ sacrificing himself on the cross for you. And with this, by by us believing in Jesus Christ, by us having his spirit live inside of us, his spirit is there to guide us and comfort us in the most difficult challenges that we face. But at times, the difficulties of this life distract us from that protective, sacrificial, and and rewarding love. So if you're going through the thick of it right now, don't allow that to separate you from God. That is what Satan wants. Satan's goal is to separate us from God and he uses the minutiae of these lives to become tremendously large things to divide us from God. Don't let that happen. God is there for you. His spirit is there for us to guide us and strengthen us. And you may need prayer this morning. You may be going through the most difficult thing in your life right now, and you just want someone to listen to, listen to you. You just want someone to talk to you. And you may want someone to pray with you. So after the service this morning, Jim, Doc, why don't you guys come up here? We will have Jim and Harold up here. Just be sitting in the front pew. If you need prayer this morning, you want someone to talk to, we have Jim and Harold available for you this morning just to sit and to pray with you. So as we close out our service, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to let you know how much we love you. We are so thankful for the love that you've shown us. We are thankful for um, the protective love that, you've, uh, that you have wanted for us in giving your son. We're thankful for the sacrifice of your son on the cross. Father, we just ask that the distractions of of this life not distract us and separate us from that love, but rather those distractions, those difficulties, and those challenges that we face just be used to drive us to you. It is your desire to always be in a relationship with us, Father. So it is our prayer this morning that every difficulty and every challenge that we have, that we can just be drawn to you. Father, we ask that the love that we show others be just like the love of Moses' mother, a love that is protective, a love that is sacrificial, and ultimately a love that is rewarding. So, Father, we just ask all of these things in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you for sharing in this message. We pray it will make a difference in your life. Please consider joining us for our Sunday morning and evening worship services. For location and more information, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org, and listen next time to learn more. May the God of peace richly bless you through His Son, Jesus Christ.